Well, good morning, church. Good to see you all this morning. Thank you, Paul. I have a cough for about a month, and so if I have to take a drink of this every now and then, please don't, uh, please excuse me on that. It's good to be back. Thank you for all the notes and cards and text messages that I uh, received. Appreciate the board giving me some time uh, off. For about 96 hours, I just, um, uh, I just was not in character at all, um, and I could tell you some stories that would curl your hair on some things I did and said during that time. Uh, I spent a day and a half in the hospital. Uh, all tests were negative. Best they could do is I had a reaction to steroid that I was on because of the bad cough that I've had forever. And uh, I kind of doubt that because, I, I don't know, I, I know more than doctors, I guess. But um, <clears throat> um, but I just, for 96 hours, I wasn't myself. And, uh, and so I woke up after about a 14-hour sleep in the hospital on Tuesday morning, and I was clear, and I knew I was clear. And I've been clear ever since. I cannot explain it, don't know how to explain it. No doctor that has been able to explain that, but I appreciate uh, you all and your patience uh, with me on that, and the board's patience uh, with me on that. And I'm um, I'm thankful that I'm back. Okay, and um, I want to remind you of a couple of things. You've got a Christmas tree out there that's got a few tags left on it. Okay, if you meant to take a, a tag for a coat and uh, to be able to give to needy kids and didn't and haven't done that yet you can take it today but we got to have it back by noon tomorrow okay i know that time frame is not good for you this is not going to give you a lot of motivation to go get a tag i know but we're the church is going to go by uh, for for all the kids that what the tags that are left okay but if you wanted to and can get it back by tomorrow you can participate in the 200 and i don't know what number it is that we're giving away more coats, I think, than we've ever given uh, away. Also, want to remind you of our 100% offering giveaway uh, that is next uh, Sunday. You've got cards in your pew. We've done this for eight years now. We give that money away to four different groups of people, and one is what you see in the the pew there. If you want to nominate an individual or a certain ministry or charity or a missionary to receive. Uh, a slice of our gift, please feel free to do that. So there will be some, just some needy folks that you all will um, nominate. We'll get a slice of that. Some ministries uh, slash charities. And the way I, the slash means ministries would be Christian ministries, but charities may not be Christian. They just may be doing a good work in the area. So ministries slash charities. Another slice will go to missionaries. Um, that we want to be able to give a Christmas gift to. And the last slice goes uh, into our Forzinia account at, that we do stuff around uh, the community. One of the things, you probably know this, uh, um, uh, a month ago now, with uh, thanks to, to uh, Brian Stahl, thanks to Greg McAfee, and thanks to you all, because a slice of it came from our church, we, we gave away 1,200 t-shirts at uh, Xenia High School commemorating their undefeated regular season. And so that's a four Xenia thing, and uh, so that's how it'll be split up four ways. And so in the last eight years we've done this, our offerings have ran from anywhere from $26,000 to $42,000 on that Sunday. So wherever we fall in that spectrum, even lower or even higher, all of it will be given away, okay? And uh, we bring the staff together to make those decisions. The board members are invited to make those decisions as well and we give that away. So that offering will be next uh, Sunday. Now, I always say this. 
Don't save all of your December offering to give one Sunday because we have to have money to run a church for the I mean, okay. But whatever you would normally give on Sunday, December the 11th will be given away. The only exception to that, if you have designated giving on your, on your envelope or whatever you designate it to something. Anything that is regular tithe or regular offering will be given away. That is next Sunday. Uh, also, I wanted to let you know that my third devotional is finished. The first one was named Life Words. The second one was very creatively, creatively named More Life Words. And I got even more creative with a third one and named it Even More Life Words. Okay? <laughs> so these are free to guests. And for any church folk that want these, they're $6. That covers the printing cost that Amazon charges it charges us and I got a little 52 cents left over that goes in my retirement account okay and uh, so if you would like these for personal use some people buy them for Christmas gifts they're in the office and they will be there for the next several uh, they'll be there they'll be there as long as you want to get them but if you want to give them for Christmas get them the next few weeks okay okay I was having a blast preaching through Hebrews chapter 11 um, and I want to take the next two weeks to uh, finish uh, that up and, and give a little Christmas uh, tag on the end of that uh, message. I hope you were enjoying it half as much as I was enjoying uh, preaching it. I always enjoy when I take a passage of Scripture and just kind of go straight down through it and just see what uh, the Scripture holds for me. One of the things that I've said week in, week out, is that this is often called the Hall of Fame of Faith because it says, by faith Abraham, by faith Jacob, by faith Isaac by faith, so-and-so and so-and-so. And And so this is often called the Hall of Fame of Faith, but I don't like that and don't think it should be because the emphasis is not on the people. The emphasis is on what faith does. That's what the emphasis is on. Some people call it, Hebrews chapter 11, they call it the heroes of faith. Again, that puts the emphasis on the people. The emphasis is on faith and what faith does. And all through Hebrews chapter 11, we find out that faith is an action. Faith is not some little feeling you have when you're in church. Faith is not some little goosebump you get when you get all goosebumpy about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that faith prompts action in your life. And so if we had a modern day rendition of Hebrews chapter 11, it would say, by faith, Mark, and then would have a verb there. Mark did something. Mark offered something. By faith, Naomi did something. There'd be a verb there. By faith, Karen. By faith, John. Hebrews chapter 11 is not there to exalt Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. It's to teach us that faith does something. If you have biblical faith, it works out in your life. And, and we, we see that in Hebrews 11, but we see it all the way through. That, that faith is not some little static thing that I just have, and it's just me and my little faith. No, faith prompts some kind of action. It'll be different for all of us, but faith prompts some type of action in our lives. And so we're at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. And on the screen, 
we, we, we have uh, the 23rd verse, but we start here with five verses that talk about Moses. And, but when we start talking about Moses' faith, isn't it interesting? Before we hear about Moses' faith, and there's a lot of things to say about Moses' faith, before we talk about Moses' faith, we talk about his parents' faith. Now, I've been teaching preaching classes for 16 years, and that would be called a preaching point. There's a lot of preaching to be done right there. A lot of talk that we can do about Moses' faith. But before we have four verses that tell you about the faith of Moses, we start with the faith of his mom and dad. His mom's name was Jochebed. Her name shows up a few other places. His daddy's name, obviously, it's, it, it shows up like two places in the Bible. I can't even remember what it is. Okay, it's just, it, it, it doesn't show up a whole lot. <clears throat> we know the name Moses. But probably very few of you could have told me the names of mom and dad. But when we start talking about mom and dad, we start with the, uh, before we talk, start about Moses, we talk about the faith of mom and dad. I'm so glad that God in his sovereignty intervenes in some people's life and some people become a Christian because even though they were raised in an unbelieving house, that happens. That happens. And it's happened to some of you all. But that number is dwarfed by the number of Christians that were raised by godly parents or godly grandparents. God can intervene and God can do anything and any, any single person can come about and exercise faith, <clears throat> raised in a Christian home or not. But moms and dads, grandmas and grandmommies, you give your kids a head start. May I say, you can make it easier for your kids to have the choice because they've been raised with the knowledge of God. Would I have ever gotten saved if I wasn't raised in a Christian home? Well, I don't know the answer to that. Obviously, the answer could be yes. But if I wasn't a Christian, or excuse me, if I didn't have a Christian background and was raised in a Christian home, when, when I got to a point in my life where I had to have change in my life, if I wasn't raised Christian, how would I have known that there was a Jesus to reach to? Think about it. Have you, have you, have you seen some of the Facebook stuff that goes around now? And it seems to be popular now. Somebody goes up, here, I'll give you $100 if you name me one Bible verse. And I know a lot of people can, but they clip it out to show you all the people that can't name one Bible verse. Adults, don't ever doubt mom and dad, grandmas and grandpas. Don't ever doubt your role in your children's salvation. And that obviously is through modeling. That obviously is through te uh, teaching. But sometimes it's just happens because you prayed. Well, I think I'm just going to let my... 
I'm going to let my child grow up and make his own choice. Well, I guess that's fine and dandy, but there's a whole lot of lesser things in life you don't allow him to make choices on. There are a whole lot of things in life that are not nearly as important as their eternal destiny that you do not allow them to make their own choices on. Now, a child has to choose for themselves eventually. We know that. Of course that. But man, you lead, you guide, you direct. (laughs) Before we hear about the faith of Moses, we hear about the faith of his mom and dad. I think I could sit right there for about 30 minutes. I'm going to go on. But there's a lot right there. And so I put up here as kind of a a point or, or, or a big idea for you to remember. I wonder, in my sanctified imagination, okay, I wonder if not for the faith of Moses' parents, he may never have led the Red Sea crossing or never have received the Ten Commandments. I wonder. Now, I think if it wasn't Moses, God would have gotten somebody else. But if not for the faith of mom and dad, would we have ever heard of a biblical character called Moses? I wonder. I wonder. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says to Timothy, <clears throat> I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and, and in your mother, Eunice, and now I am persuaded lives in you also. That should, be a, that should be a verse of tremendous encouragement because there's no daddy spoken of there. And I assume that's for a reason, right? He just wouldn't have left daddy out. That should be a verse of encouragement for every single mom who's doing your level best. That should be a verse of encouragement for a married mother who your husband wants nothing to do with the things of God, but you're doing your level best. Paul writes to Timothy. and says, Timothy, I, I know you got faith, man. It first lived in your grandmommy and then lived in your mommy, and I can see it lives in you as well. That is the biblical pattern. Now, God can intervene, as I've said, and intervene into an unbelieving person who... Uh, who, who was not raised with Christian parents? Of course, of course. But that is the biblical model. This is the way it's supposed to happen. Because of the realities of life and because of sin, God has to do it some other ways too. But that's the biblical model. And every mom and dad who's doing your dead level best by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit empowers you to do. Don't ever doubt the importance that you have when you pray with that kid. When you encourage that kid to trust God. When faith is not just a Sunday morning thing, but a 24-7 thing. We, We start learning about one of the greatest biblical characters in the Bible by learning about his mom and daddy's faith. Now go, <clears throat> and in Mark 9, there's a story 
that there's, there's several stories that back this up. But in the Gospels, in Mark chapter 9, there's a story. When they came to other disciples, that was Jesus and some other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Next verse says, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about, Jesus said. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you, <clears throat> teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus replied with a tough word. You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been this way? From childhood, the father answered. It has often thrown him to a fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus responded, if you can. Jesus was a really nice, he was really kind and tender with his words, but every now and then he shoots a zinger in there. If you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. But I was raised with a King James that said, help my unbelief. Well, the story continues. And the boy was healed because of the father's faith. Because of the father's faith. Are you believing for your son when your son is either too young to believe or won't believe? Are you believing that God will do something in your son's life, in your daughter's life? When your kids are too young or too stubborn to believe it themselves? I don't know how all that works because I know each kid has free will. I know that. I simply know this. I simply know this. Before we learn about the faith of Moses, we're learning about the faith of his mom and daddy. That's, that's really important. Really, really important. Now, our anchor verses 11.23 of Hebrews, it says, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. I don't know what that means, but that is fascinating. No one knows what that means. But the, the Holy Spirit inspired the writer to include. He looked at Moses and saw that he was no ordinary child. I don't know what that means. Did... Did they look at him and see something special in him even at a very, I don't know. But the Holy Spirit guided the writer to include that little phrase in there. We all look at our child, children and, and, and we love them all, but something 
And I don't know how many kids that Moses' parents had, but something about Moses said, this, this child's special. Did, did, did God, I don't know. Did God speak to them? Did God give them discernment to, to say, I've got something for this child? I don't know. But it's a fascinating phrase. And I believe the scripture is inspired by God. And that didn't get in there by accident. They saw him as no ordinary child. They were not, <clears throat> they were not afraid of the king's edict. So they hid him. So the king's guards wouldn't come and kill him because the Israelites were getting too, too many numbers. They were, the Egyptians were getting afraid of him because they were so high in number and, and they were supposed to kill all the firstborn boys. And there was some rebellion here with mom and dad. They were not afraid of the king's edict. Now this hit me square in the face. I was, I was, I was at the cafeteria at Cedarville about two weeks ago when I was writing this message. The, the parents disobeyed the king's edict by faith. You see that? It's right there. This disobedience of the king's edict, the Bible said, was a faithful thing. Now, be careful. We can go to Romans and other parts of the Bible that says we are to have great respect for authority. And the worst thing anybody can do is take this verse and fly off the handle and do something stupid. Okay? But... They disobeyed authority by faith. Wow. There may be a time in a Christian's life that it's a faithful thing to disobey the king's edict. Now that is, I'm walking a thin line right now. And if this is ever to be done, it's done very carefully with much prayer, with much discernment, with talking to friends. But Moses' parents got in the hall of fame of faith because they disobeyed the king's edict. And the Bible says that was by faith. I was at Cedarville in the cafeteria, man. I, I can go over there and eat because you get all you eat for six fifty. It's great, man. And, and I, I was I had a slice of pizza, man, and I just I just saw it. Never seen it before. How many times have I read that verse? Never saw it before. I want to tell you that following God involves risk. Not every day. I, I, I haven't really. <clears throat> I haven't really risked too much today, I don't think. But there have been times just by what I do for a living in 27 years of doing this that because I spoke truth, it was a risky thing. But following God involves risk. There may be times when your faith comes into direct conflict with the culture of the day or even the authority of the day. The Bible says that if we don't deny ourselves, that's 
risky thing. There's a cost to following Jesus. Jesus is not just little, some, following Jesus is not just some goosebumpy thing you come and sit in the pew in church. There's a cost to follow Jesus. And if you have never, if you have never experienced a cost to follow in Jesus with all the grace that I can muster in me, I wonder how close you're following. Second Timothy chapter one, Paul writes to Timothy and says, Spirit of God doesn't make us timid. Timothy, the, 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 the Spirit of God in you does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Have you heard people ever say this next statement up here? The, the safest place in the world is in the middle of God's will. Hogwash. Hogwash. Show it to me. The best place in the world is the middle of God's will. It's a very good place to be in the middle of God's will, but it ain't safe. And I could go on and on and on on why it's not safe. Because when you stand for Jesus, people won't like it. <laughs> I'm telling you here, friends, that Moses' parents get in the Hall of Fame of Faith because they disobeyed the king's edict. And I think that's a fascinating thing. Can I say it for the third time now? Don't go off and do something stupid. If you're in conflict now with, with your Christian convictions and authority, whatever that authority means in your life, you need to be very prayerful. You need to talk to godly friends to give you counsel. The worst thing in the world is for you to take this message and go out and do something dumb. But I'm just saying. Moses' mom and dad were remembered. Their faith was remembered because they disobeyed the king's edict. Scripture's all through God's word about being in God's will is not a safe place to be. Acts chapter 14 Paul just went around from the churches. They strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, if he went around to encourage them to be true to the faith, it doesn't say it here, but isn't it logical to assume if he had to encourage them to be true to the faith, there was something that was wanting to them to deny the faith. That's common sense, right? So he had to go and encourage them to hang in there and be true to the faith because something was going on in their life that was wanting to make them deny the faith. When you have a situation at work, when you have a situation in your town, in your city, when you have a situation in your family, go on and on with that, and there's Jesus and there's getting along. What do you do? There's following Jesus. And there's getting along, which means backing up on my Christian convictions. What do you do? 
And I'm not here to tell you what to do. That's you got to decide that. And you got to decide what kind of situation is important enough to make this decision. Now, there's a lot that aren't that important enough. I have somebody in this church that came to me and didn't want to take the COVID shot. And, and, and they said, it's going to cost me my job. I said, I wouldn't allow it to cost your job. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Some of you disagree with me on that. That's okay. But we all have our different opinions on that. I just said, I don't, I don't think, unless you know you've got a job as good waiting for you, I'm not sure this situation is a big enough deal. Some of you vehemently would disagree with just what I said. That's okay. I'm not telling you what the situation, what to do in a particular situation. I'm just telling you, when you feel a pull for Jesus and you feel a pull for the world or authority, what are you going to choose? Moses' parents were remembered for their faithful actions because they disobeyed the king's edict. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you. As the, I always like this verse. As though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> you think something strange is happening to you because you're a Christian and somebody don't like it or is pushing you on your beliefs? Don't think something strange is happening to you. Philippians 1.29 says this, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for him. And that can mean a whole lot of things. We got some big time suffering that goes on in this word, word, and most of us won't have to go through that big time suffering, but there's some things. If we live for Jesus and we're, and we're out in our faith, It's going to be some rub there, man. And when there's rub there, what do you do? And I'm saying we got an example, a biblical example, of someone that's remembered in the Hall of Fame of Faith because their faith prompted them to disobey the king's edict. Now, we all know in Matthew 5, you probably knew where I was going here, at the end of the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, it... It's not a period there. You're not blessed just because you're persecuted. Okay? You're persecuted for doing the right thing. You're persecuted for righteousness' sake. Somebody's persecuting you for something. Well, I guess I'm blessed. Hogwash. You're blessed if you're being persecuted for doing the right thing, doing the godly thing, for following Jesus. There's a blessing there. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way that persecuted the prophets who were before you. Soon, soon I have someone very close to us <clears throat> that graduated with a master's degree in uh, his field, which was natural resources, wildlife. It was his dream job, and he got it in Dakotas. And 
and he was doing what he wanted to do, working at a fish hatchery. Just, it was his thing, man. He loved it. And part of his job was to, uh, there's a lot in both Dakotas of remote places that you can just, there's like no, nobody around. It's just remote. And his job was for eight hours a day, was one of his jobs for eight hours a day was to take a big truckload of fish out and just stock streams out in remote areas. And so he was assigned to do this with a female. And he and this female were going to be alone all day in remote areas of Dakotas stocking fish. And so he did it for day one. And he did it for day two. And at the end of day two, a coworker said to him as he came back, in a joking way, as guys will joke, girls, you won't get this, but this is exactly the way guys joke. He said, man, it only takes me seven hours to stock that. Why does it take you eight hours? What are you doing out there, man? Guys do that all the time girls if you don't know it so the obvious insinuation so the guy went home talked to his wife and the next day came to his boss and he told his boss I'm not comfortable and I asked that you wouldn't give me that assignment again or put a third person with us boss was a godly catholic guy and he understood well it got back to the boss's boss And the boss's boss, who was not a godly guy, went off and said it was sexist and ordered the boss's boss, ordered the boss to go tell him to do it. So the boss went back to him and says, hey, man, you know, hands are tied. And my friend said, no, I can't, you know, I just, I just can't. And the boss says, it's not going to be good, because I know. So they started procedures to fire him and charge him with insubordination, all this kind of stuff, and it got really nasty. And it got so nasty that my friend resigned. For my friend, that was a time where he felt he had to defy the king's edict. Maybe that wouldn't have been a time for you. I'm not here, I'm not here saying that. I'm not, I'm not here saying you have to quit if somebody's doing all that. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. But for him, that was a time. I will tell you, in 27 years of ministry, I've never ridden alone with a female. And I've come under great ridicule from females. And it has nothing to do with the female. That female thinks I'm so hot she's going to jump my bones or something. It had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I don't want that insinuation possibly going on, and I'm presently very acutely aware of my own weaknesses. I'm just saying, 
And that situation that my friend went through may not have been a situation that you would have taken action. I'm not saying it should have been a situation for you to take action. I'm just saying you may be presented with a situation and there's an example of one. Now, my friend lost his dream job. He struggled for several years. God has blessed him and things have worked out well. And he knows, as I talked to him again this week to get the particulars on the situation, he, he just basically said, God is faithful. Some of you know we have a situation going on at the Xenia YMCA. It's a situation I'm involved in. I'm not involved in it as the pastor of Xenia Nazarene, but I know my name is always associated with that. I know that. But I, I've, I've just been involved in it as a member of the Y. The Y is allowing biological men who identifies women to use the men's locker room. Excuse me, women's locker room. I get all that confused. So a, a biological man who identifies as a female is using the ladies' locker room. And a pastor in this town, pastor's wife in this town, saw him. It is absolutely true that she did not see his genitals like that really matters. But she knows this guy since fifth grade and knows that he's transgender. So it was reported, and I appreciate this pastor and his wife who didn't fly off the handle. They went through the appropriate steps. They went six weeks before going public with it. They talked with the Y and the Y officials for six weeks before they went public with it. So it's not somebody just flew off a handle. And the Y stood by what they say is the law that forces them to do this. So when I found out ab about this, I immediately called Dale Bruner, the president of the Y, emailed him, excuse me, and the same for two vice presidents, Josh Sullenberger and David Thompson, and said, hey man, I'm just trying to gather information. Is the way that, well, some of you know who it is, is the way that Van Holloway described this, is it correct? Well, he distorted it was their reply. I said, please, please, because I don't want to enter into anything without the right information. Please tell me how he distorted it. And three weeks later, they refused to tell me how he distorted it. So, my argument was simply, if it's, I took the, the wise word for it and just said, okay, it's the law. I don't think it's the law. I think it's an interpretation of the law. The wild refuses to meet with Christian attorneys on this. Some Wise do. The leaven and why. Well, I can't tell you all that. We'll just uh, Dale Bruner and Josh Sullenberger and David Thompson will not hear uh, a different interpretation of the law. And so my, my thing was if this is the law, that's fine, man. I get it. Tell your members. 
Tell your members. They obviously don't want to for obvious reasons, right? I said, man, I, I said, I get you. I, I, I told the president, I know you're towing the, the company line here. But you owe it to the public to tell them where that line is. And when you do a quick Google search, this is not a Xenia issue. This is a YMCA, YMCA issue all over the United States. So I'm involved in this and went public with a Facebook statement and a blog post and got called a bigot, judgmental, intolerant, non-Christ-like. And my only response to all of that was, can you please tell me how it's bigoted to think that a biological man should lock her with a biological man? And there's some people that are so far on that side, they say that's bigotry. So I don't know where this is going to go. I'll tell you where it's eventually going to go. I don't know where it's going to go in the short term. It eventually we're going to lose this because the Bible pretty much says we will. I mean, I mean the, the world's not getting any better according to God's word. So we're going to lose this battle, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't stand up for what is right. Even if the Lord has said, the world is, can I say this? The world eventually will go to hell in a handbasket. Can I say that? So I don't know where it's going to go. We have a meeting scheduled with two state legislators. Public indecency charges have been filed with the Xenia police. I have no idea where it's going to go. Can I tell you something? This is not, hear me please, this is not the fault of this person who's gender confused. This person has been given permission. This person who's gender confused needs truth to help him. This is not his fault. It's the fault of the why and the society in general that's coddling people. You can't lie about, you can't identify, I can't go and identify as 17 to get the, the kids rate at the Y. Why can't I identify as 17? I can't, I can't identify as black and apply for financial aid and get a whole lot more financial aid because I'm black. And, and both race and age are far less significant than sex. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just saying, as for me in my house, there's a time that you defy the king's edict. I'm not telling you to do that. You'll never hear from this from me again, never. If you want to come talk to me about this, I'll talk to you about it till we're blue in the face. But I'll never mention it again to you. I just want you to, to know, as for me and my house, we haven't, we haven't withdrawn our Y membership. And I've discouraged some of you all who text me to say, we're going to do that. I've said, don't do that. Let's see what the Y does. I'm not encouraged. The Y, in the time that I've lived in Xenia, the Y has been the most positive new thing that has ever happened to the city of Xenia in my time here. 
But this is not who Xenia is. And so for me, it's a time to be called bigoted, intolerant, non-Christ-like, whatever they want to call me. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when they insult you, call you all kinds of names on account of me. And I haven't even done it <clears throat> in a Christian vein. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I haven't even quoted a scripture verse and made a theological treatise about it. I basically just said, an atheist can believe that biological men ought to lock up with biological men. This is not a religious issue. This is a common sense issue. And how can your stated values of the why be that you have care and respect for people when you don't have care and respect for the ladies that don't want to lock her with biological men? So if, I don't, and I'm assuming most of you knew that. If you didn't know that, your head had to be in the sand pretty much because it's been going on for a good bit. There's a lot going on about it. And I just wanted you to know, for me, that's a, it's time to defy the king's edict. Authority. And just say that they're wrong on this. We, we're going to lose in the long run. But I do know there are why administrators that are dying for a different interpretation of this so they don't have to do it. So we'll see where that goes. Point of my message was to say there's a cost in following Jesus. It's risky. Point of my message was to say the faith that Moses had was started in his mom and dad. And the Bible condones this faith of mom and dad that defied the king's edict. The Bible condones that and said it was a faithful decision. I don't know what you have going on in your life. I don't. You may have never ever come into a situation where you've had to choose between the two. But if you do, if you do, the Bible calls it a faithful thing if you're defying the king's edict for a good and godly reason. So take that, friends. Think through it. God has not given you a spirit of fear. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Do you know that the birth of Jesus came about because of disobedience to the king's edict? That if, if, if Jesus' mom and daddy hadn't disobeyed the king's edict, there may not have been a Jesus to die on the cross. You remember the story, don't you? Matthew chapter 2. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for this child and kill him. This was the angel telling Joseph something that's going to happen here in the future. You've got to take this child and get out of here. So verse 14 says, so he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Verse 15 says, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. The Old Testament prophesies that the Messiah out of Egypt 
I have called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem. So here's where the, what the angel said was going to happen. It actually happens here. He was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in the vicinity who were under two years, uh, who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. The story continues that Herod ended up dying and the next leader was just as nasty as Herod and, and so they took him to another area to bring him up. Uh, there's, there's, there's disobedience to authority in the very birth of Jesus. Don't take this message and go out and do something stupid. But if the time ever comes when you're forced to choose between your Christian convictions and what the authority wants you to do, you have biblical precedent that it is a faithful thing to defy the king's edict. And if Joseph hadn't defied that, we, ne we may never have had a reason to observe communion. Baby Jesus would have been killed. And so as we receive communion, as we look at the whole story, we're reminded of this part of the story that Joseph and Mary had to do something very difficult just to protect their son. Had to go against the government and hide him. I hope that you never have to do anything like that. But if you do, may I remind you, that God did not give you a spirit of fear. God did not give you a spirit of fear. It's a faithful thing, faithful thing to do the right thing, which may be contrary to what authority wants you to do. Our servers are coming to the table. Father, this is a tough message. And I wouldn't have preached it if I didn't think I had to. Father, we can really go nuts on this and use all kinds of application to this message and, and use it in ways it shouldn't be used. But Father, there, there may be times where, when a boss, a company, a neighbor, family member, wants us to go away that we know is contrary to our Christian beliefs. At that time, may we be faithful. We're reminded your word in Acts 5 that says it's better to obey God than men. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Our tables and our altars are open. <coughs>